0: welcome back to the brothers in christ podcast we will be going into the last chapter of ephesians and talking about the armor of god and we stand against the evil schemes so let's go Last chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Let's go. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. With a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will, as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. So one of the first things that stands out to me is how Paul, I think it's really interesting, how Paul doesn't say slavery is like wrong. He doesn't go out and say that or like other places in the Bible. I don't think he says clearly that slavery is wrong. And I've always thought that was quite interesting that there's no like solid argument very clear solid argument against slavery um and in history class recently we were talking about how in america both the white slave owners would use the bible to try to justify their slavery and then the slaves would try to use the bible to show that slavery was wrong so like people were using it both ways and i mean in philemon paul does say to, like, tries to convince Philemon to free his slave, but it's not like slavery is wrong. But I've been thinking about this, and I think that what it does say pretty clearly, it, it says pretty clearly that, like, brutality of slavery is wrong, or, like, treating, dehumanizing your slave, Um, but almost to, like, treat your slaves as equals and i guess like not take it use take advantage or use them
1: i like how paul really tells both slaves and masters why they should be in one case respecting their masters and in the other case respecting their slaves and that's because both master and slave are slaves to christ who is in heaven and there is no partiality with him so like Paul commands slaves and masters to treat each other equally in light of that fact that they are all slaves to Christ and that no one is better than another.
0: Yeah, and this whole relationship kind of makes me think of the parable of like the unforgiving man. I don't actually know what it's called. I forget. But where there was a man who owed lots of money to in this case it would be god as the master and god forgave him of it all out of his great mercy and grace um but then the owner goes and like demands that somebody who owes him like a few cents needs to pay him now even though he's just been forgiven of this great debt and i feel like that's how it is with this relationship like god has given us so much grace and mercy Forgiven us of our sins. So the fact that we go and treat another human being with like brutality or not as an equal that I that's
1: definitely wrong and very hypocritical, I feel like. Yeah, so like the same kindness that God has shown us, we should show to those around us. It is important to note that in
0: this section there's a lot of like spheres of authority that God has put in place and oftentimes it feels like the right thing to do to like rise up and overthrow them but I think even in like the slave master situation God put everybody there for a purpose and that does not justify a ill treatment of somebody just because You have authority over them. Going back to uh, what we talked about with the husband and wife in the last chapter. A wife having to submit does not justify a ill treatment of her. But we do need to submit to the authorities in our life. Do you agree?
1: Yes, I mean, God gave us those authorities. And he put them in place for a reason, even if they're secular authorities. So uh, we need to respect them as holders of the power that God has given them.
0: Yeah. And I think it is important that it is really easy to read this section and be like, "Well, I'm not a I'm not a slave or I'm not really a child anymore. I I obey my parents like, okay, check. All right, move on to the next section." But I I don't think that's how it works. Like this this is in here for a reason. And well, we still should obey our parents even even when we're older and moved out of the house. <laughs> but I th- it also applies to parents. Fathers do not pro- provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Like obedience to parents isn't only on the children. I think obedience to parents is comes or stems from how they were raised and So I think it's put back on the parents to raise their children in a way of obedience so that they will listen. And going down to the slaves and masters, it's easy to be like, well, well, I'm not a slave and I don't own a slave, so uh, move on. But I think this is so applicable to us. Like when it says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, and I think this applies to like our job, probably I mean there <laughs> we can probably all think of people that we know who only work hard or do what they're supposed to when their boss or teacher or whatever is watching. But if they're not there, they're they're not gonna work hard. They're they're only gonna work hard when it makes them look good, and then when there's nothing on the line, or they're, they're gonna slack off a lot. And I mean, I think we can all fall into this trap quite often. But it's important to know that it, we're we're all working for the Lord ultimately. Like people are put in authority over us, and we need to submit to those. But I think ultimately everybody is under Christ and like he's the boss of everybody and we need to be working for the Lord and not for men because men's thanks and praise is is empty but the praise and favor that we get for working for Christ is is way better.
1: I mean I think this all just boils down to the idea of mutual submission and love that Paul introduced in the last chapter like in each one of these examples one person submits to and loves the other and the other submits to and loves the first and so children obeying your parents is a form of loving them parents bringing up your children in the discipline of the Lord is a way of loving them and then like the same goes for slaves and masters slaves submitting to your masters as a form of loving them masters not Abusing your slaves is a way of loving them. So I think it all just boils down to that idea.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, we will move on to the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may
1: declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here Paul introduces this theme of the armor of God, and in the introductory section he he reminds the reader that we are in a spiritual battle with the forces of darkness, and as I once heard said, you don't want to go into a battle wearing bunny slippers and pajamas, right? So Paul says to put on this armor of God. And it all starts with the belt of truth. And the belt holds everything together. So truth is what holds our life together. Being rooted uh, firm in God's truth will definitely hold everything else together. And then the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects your heart and if you are wearing righteousness on the attacks and temptations of the devil can't get to your heart it's like wearing righteousness like definitely prevents one from being susceptible to temptation and then the shoes of the gospel of peace we want to be grounded in peace and that gives us traction so so that our lives not all uh, slipping and sliding like all over the place And so if you have peace in your life, you are much less likely to be doing that. And then Paul talks about the shield of faith, which extinguishes all the flaming darts of the devil. Having faith in God will indeed extinguish all the darts of doubt that the devil throws at us. And, I mean, it's hard to have faith, but we need to, or else we will not be protected from those doubts creeping in. And then Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, which protects your mind. So our salvation protects our heads from being attacked by the devil's temptations again. And also from those doubts creeping in. And then finally, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon that Paul talks about. And so, I mean, it's interesting to think of the Bible as like an, As like a sword, but it is Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews, tells us that the the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is useful in in discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so with this sword, we, we can attack the devil, and we can also bring others to faith in Jesus through this sword, and both of those things are very important. And I think it is very important to see that to
0: use this armor, we need the strength of the Lord. Like, this this section starts with finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Before it says anything about the armor or stuff like that, we need to be grounded in God to use the armor. Like, I think of a soldier... Just like a I, I don't know a little weak dude he's not gonna be able to wear this armor and use it effectively, like it's just gonna weigh him down, and he's gonna be slow and not able to fight and I think that's how it is with the armor of God for us that like we need to be grounded in God's strength to put on the armor of God and to be able to wield it and then using this armor, it is so important to see that i think in this section it says stand like lots of times to stand firm in our faith in christ because the devil and the enemy which is not flesh or blood is is coming for us and they're they're gonna try to wreck our lives like this is no joke um so we need to stand and i think it's important to see that we have a lifestyle or mentality of a soldier, like, in a war, you're not going to be like, oh, oh yeah, here comes the enemy. I'll just let him break through this line here and we'll we'll eventually get him. Like, no, you're not going to compromise at all. You're going to stand firm, resist temptation and sin, and, like, do everything you can to fight against it. And I think that
1: applies to our lives. Yeah, and that requires rigorous training in the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And also, as Paul talks about at the end of this chapter, prayer. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Like, prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that we have. Because it's asking God to do His will. And, like, God can do anything. Yeah, just absolutely anything. And so, if we ask Him, and it is within his will he will do it and so yeah that's why prayer is such a powerful weapon i also think that
0: prayer helps to rely on god i guess like if if you're a good soldier it's easy to become self-centered and focus on your accomplishments and what you've done but i think prayer turns that away a lot and it makes you reliant on what God does in your life and not what you do and also I like how Paul asks for the people in Ephesus to be praying for him like prayer can be used more than just for us for our needs like it's it, it can really bolster the other brethren in the faith who who need help standing. I mean, we're all standing against the evil schemes of the devil, and I think prayer
1: can help them as well as us. Yeah, many times have, well, not many, but, like, a couple times I've been thinking about a person who's in a really dark place in their life, and I'm like, oh, can I do anything for them? And then, like, just like that, the answer comes to me. Yes, I can pray. Prayer is the most powerful weapon. And so, yeah, yeah, prayer helps us and prayer helps our brethren around us
0: last part of this section i think it's really important to realize that our enemy is not flesh and blood it's a lot deeper than that like it's easy to get wrapped up in our everyday lives what we see and be like oh that guy he's my enemy i'm gonna stand against him and not compromise, but I think it's a lot deeper than that, and other people are often what we call our enemies the the people that we call enemies they're they're in this battle too, and oftentimes they just don't have the power to stand in christ and I think it's important to see that they're not our enemy, like Satan and his demons are like The evil powers working in this world by Satan, like that's our enemy, and so I think we need. It's often easy to be like, "Oh, that guy just gonna, you know, he's just gonna live in his sin, and eventually, it's not gonna be good for him." And but no, like that's a human soul that we're talking about that you're almost like condemning to hell. That's very hypocritical because. We we were, we were condemned to hell as well, before God saved us, and I think we need to uh, extend that grace and mercy, to even our enemies, in our lives. Yeah, all right. And then finishing the book, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. kiss the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. That you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you, your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord
1: Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Um in this short closing from Paul, verses twenty three and twenty four, Paul prays for the Ephesians to have really the same Many of the same things that he prayed for. In chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, just like how Paul like bookends his letter with this prayer for a blessing of grace and peace and love and faith to the Ephesians. Yeah, in a lot of
0: movies, the beginning and the ending are a lot the same. There's just... A lot of in-between that, that it almost like changes your perspective on the end, even though it's a lot the same. I I get the feeling that that's kind of what's going on here. Like, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. It's almost the same as how he opened the book. But I think if you read through Ephesians and take it to heart, it, it really changes the meaning of this.
1: Like, just now that we have really read through the letter, we understand it better. Yeah, and I
0: guess I also like in this wrap up that it's more than just a, like, a self-fought battle. We are a group of believers, and we are not alone in this fight. And there, there will be people praying for us, and we should pray for other people, but. It's just an encouragement, I think, to know we're not alone. There are others with us in this battle, and that through unity and love, we can bond together and face this war together. So that will wrap up our talk on Ephesians, and thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to this last episode on Ephesians. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going through this chapter. It was pretty fun, but it was also pretty hard. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll listen again.